Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. I'll read it to you and you can let me know what you think. Olivia, no one actually cares about you anymore. You come across as wooden and fake. You came from a rich family and a private school in Adelaide. Stop trying to spruik anxiety and depression. You actually have no fucking idea how hard other people have lived and what they have experienced. Have you experienced sexual and physical abuse? Have you witnessed drug overdoses within your family? I bet you didn't, so shut the fuck up and be grateful for what you have actually experienced in your life. No one is buying your anxiety bullshit, you prissy little Seymour bitch. And welcome to this very special interview episode of Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart women who really love dumb stuff. Today we'll be joined by the very talented Olivia Rogers, who you may know as last year's Miss Universe Australia. In reality, there's a lot more to live than just being a beauty queen. She's a speech pathologist, this year's VRC ambassador for the Melbourne Cup, occasional model and owner of Melbourne's cutest dog. We sat down with Liv in her Melbourne home to chat about everything from her relationship with her body and food how the modelling industry almost broke her and why, after giving up on an industry obsessed with aesthetics, she took a chance at the Miss Universe competition. Here's Olivia. Olivia Rogers, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You've just given us the best tasting kombucha I've ever had in my entire life. For anyone listening, what is it? Lowbro's Watermelon Kombucha. The watermelon, yeah. Not sponsored also. We will need to add that to our newsletter, (laughs) our recommendations newsletter this week. Olivia, we do start every episode with the same question. So we'll give you that as well. What have you been reading, watching or listening to this week? Okay, I've been consuming quite a bit this week. I had gastro over the weekend. Mm. So I was bedridden, which made for a lot of... Uh, TV time, Netflix time. Mm. I watched Ciara Burgess is a Loser. Oh. Is it any good? I loved it. Really? I think it's got a really nice message. It was really cute. Because it copped really a little it. bit of flack. Yeah, I think those kind of yeah. movies always do. But I enjoyed it. It was an easy watch as well while I was like, you know, cramping dying. all over. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> dying. <laughs> um, I also finished recently A Simple Favour. 
nice. the book. Yes. I haven't seen the movie and mm. I'm really keen to see that because I loved the book. The movie was bizarre. Oh, really? Probably hear- the most bizarre movie I've ever seen I was in actually my life. having this conversation at work yesterday and people were talking about the difference between the book and the movie in that the, the movie is far more ironic than the book. Right. Okay. I mean, it's a strange book. But I love that sort of thing, like Gone Girl. Mm. and Gone Girl is epic. Girl on a Train. Like I love yes. those sort of thriller kind of twist novels Mm -hmm. um and i always love seeing uh reading something before i see it same have you been into any of the jane harper books then have you read the dry i actually haven't no you would really like them have you no neither of you have read the dry you're making us both seem really unread no 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 these aren't these aren't like clever books these are like they're great books but they're just like the best thrillers. Okay. That's the next on your list. I can't read thril- thrillers. They make me uh, anxious. Yeah, all the this time. one might make you a bit anxious, so maybe just for you. See, I love it because I feel like I just don't think about anything else because I'm, th- I'm so like in the book. Mm, I yeah. feel like I got through Gone Girl okay and A Simple Favor okay because it's so weird and just something that would never happen in yeah. real yeah. life. I can process it. Whereas if it's like a true crime thing, I just can't. Yeah, it's a bit stressful. How mm. are you with podcasts? I love podcasts. Um, obviously, I listen to Shameless. Every, every time we week. ask that question, everyone's going to be like, so obviously yours. No, but it seems like you guys fishing. know. I mean, I feel like I put it on my Insta story every week. Well, and we the amount of people it. that have now said to me, oh, I started listening to Shameless. I'm like, cool. Well, you just wait. You're going to hear me soon. Number we should one stop paying you. <laughs> what um, else? What else? I've been listening to No Chill. Yes. Um, I went to school with both of them. <laughs> um, I did a shoot with Maddie. Ah, and there she you go. Was, She's an amazing girl. She's so well-spoken. Yeah, they both are. really clever. And I haven't met. It's Lucinda. Yeah. I haven't met her. But um, but no, Maddie was awesome. And when she said she did a, po- a podcast, I was like, well, I've got to listen to it now. So mm. I'm kind of hooked on that at the moment. It's mental um, health stuff, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, social, it's, it's about the intersection between social media and mental health. Yeah. Yeah. It's an Which interesting concept so, as well. Really refreshing. Yeah. Well, and I feel like it's very relevant to me. So it's, yeah, it's really good. Uh, what else? Oh, you guys love um, Leanne Moriarty. Yeah, and I also Leon do. Moriarty. And uh, I recently finished Nine Strangers, which you guys did as well, which I didn't love. It definitely isn't yeah. her best. And then I listened to the audiobook of The Last Anniversary. Right. What did you think of I that one? Li- I haven't read that one. I, it, I'm going to I think it was quite similar to Nine Strangers. Yeah. Um, not her best. No. But. I still enjoyed it. I felt like yeah. it was quite an easy listen because it was, for me, audiobook, um, easy read. Um, I I like that, I mean, all of her books because they're Australian. I like that you can sort of picture it more. Like yes. I feel like they're very relatable. Also um, in Sydney and the beaches yeah, and the coastal yeah. suburbs. And yeah. the, the people, the characters that she talks about, you know, remind me of some of my aunties and that sort of mm. thing, particularly in that book, yeah, The right. Last Anniversary. But yeah, it wasn't my fave. No, it's still an easy read. I would still, if you're looking for a quick easy read, it's still a good one. But I would start elsewhere with Leon. My favorite yeah. for anyone who hasn't read any Leon Moriarty would probably be The Husband's Secret. Definitely. I really that love that. That was the that first one, one I read. That. Also, What Alice Forgot, very underrated. I haven't read that one either. There That's a really good book. Yeah. Liv, what were you like as a kid? Oh, just, a just changing right into it <laughs> going off the back of books it's actually quite yeah. fitting because I was a big nerd really um I still am I was very insecure like to the point where I hated um you know swimming carnival or even sports just PE lessons or anything where I had to like show a bit of skin like get mm. in a um, PE uniform just scared me um I was yeah very insecure very self-conscious um, probably more of an introvert and loved reading, loved painting, loved spending time on my own. Um, what else? Painting's I, been a huge part of your life yeah. all the way through, hasn't it? Yeah, it's always been a bit of an escape for me. 
Oh, I played the flute for five years. Did you? <laughs> I was in the middle school band. Did you like it? Uh, I did. I wasn't allowed to practice at home because it annoyed my siblings so much. So mum would just sign my music diary saying that I had practiced Amazing. and my teacher would tell me how much I'd improved. I'm like, I know you're lying because <laughs> I haven't practiced and I haven't improved, but oh, thank you. So good. I was so <laughs> bad. I was so bad at the recorder in high school that my music teacher told me not to play just to pretend that I was playing oh. the recorder at the music recital so that everyone oh. thought that I was playing but I was that bad that I ruined everyone else's work if I joined doesn't surprise in. me does it at what point did you decide what you wanted to do with your life uh never <laughs> still don't know I don't think I ever decided what I wanted to do I knew that I loved science mm. I loved studying I loved doing well I've always been a real people pleaser and I think um as a kid because I was so anxious and self-conscious and Mm. Um, and I wasn't good at sport. <laughs> the thing that I was good at was getting good grades and I liked getting that sort of reassurance from my parents and, and, you know, pleasing them by doing well. Uh, so I knew that I wanted to get a degree. I just didn't know what degree. Um, my dad is a GP mm. as is my grandpa who's mm. 80 and he's still practicing. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. So cool. But so there was always sort of a medical background and I did love science, but then the thought of being a, do- a doctor wasn't really... For me, and I think you've got to really have that passion if you're going to do mm. it. Um, then I thought about being a teacher, uh, psychologist. I love psychology, mm. physio, all these different things. And then someone suggested speech pathology. And I hadn't actually even – I honestly didn't even really know what it was. And I think unless you've had a speech pathologist in your life, you don't really know what it is. My mum's a speech pathologist. Oh, snap. So, yeah, I decided to do speech pathology. And it was an amazing degree. It was really challenging, but I loved it. And, um, yeah, I then worked as a speech pathologist for a year and now I'm not doing it. So (laughs) would you want to go back to it? I think so. I think, um, you know, I've still got plenty of time before I'd have to retrain or something. Mm. I do miss it. It was such a rewarding, amazing job. I miss the people that I worked with and the kids and just everything about it, to be honest. But it's always going to be there, whereas I feel like what I'm doing at the moment, you know, I've got to ride the wave while it's there. Oh, totally. I think that's so clever as well. If you're in that space, the influencer or ambassador space that you are in, it's good to have a backup because Mm. it won't last forever. Like social media won't last forever as it is right now. It's very clever to have a degree behind you in a career. Yeah, I I mean, none of this was my plan. The plan Mm. was to be a speech pathologist, um, paint on the side. I was doing a little bit of modelling and stuff on the side. But yeah, my life as it is now was... Never, um, never envisioned being, um, <laughs> I guess, doing what I'm doing now. When you said, just going back a bit, you said as a kid, you were quite self-conscious and anxious. Was it a self-consciousness that surrounded just your body or was it other stuff as well? It was other things as well. I think I really didn't know who I was. My, my parents divorced when I was eight Um, which is unfortunately so common. Mm. Uh, So, you know, I'm not anything special (laughs) by that happening to me. But I I think that made me really anxious Mm. to start with. So then I sort of doubted myself in all aspects of my life. Um, I think too, not being good at sport is really, it sounds probably not that big a deal. But no, it really was because my brother and my sister were really good at sport. most of my friends were and then I just wasn't and I just felt really sort of I guess left out and then I didn't know where I fit in because mm. I, I was good at art and I loved art but people would say you know oh you could be an artist but artists don't make money yes. and, 
and saying all these things that I'm like, okay, well, that's obviously not what, what I'm going to do, but I'm good at that. But what else am I good at? And I guess, yeah, feeling a bit lost and not knowing who I was, but then yeah, definitely massive insecurities around my body too. My siblings and I all, um, gained weight after mum and dad split up. We call it the post-divorce. Oh my God. Weight. How interesting. <laughs> we got super chubby. Um, <laughs> both, both parents mom, feeding you yeah, whatever no, you wanted. But mum was like, you know, oh, don't cry. Have a milkshake and burger and... <laughs> 10 other ice creams and all the snacks. Why it's so not? funny how yeah. when your parents split up, how much they try to reward you just for existing. Yeah. Like just for my not split up. crying all the time. Oh like- my God. I'll never forget my first birthday and the first Christmas after my parents split up. It was like 10 Christmases at once. Like, what do you want? We'll give it to you. We will buy you love. Nothing's yeah. changed. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think then I became so insecure. You know, I had tiny friends. And friends that that was just never an issue for. So um, that was definitely something that uh, made me, I think, I don't know, just this anxious, like looking back on who I was is so completely different to how I am now that Mm. it's quite bizarre. How did it change? So obviously going from that girl who was very self-conscious and I think we all hold our insecurities still even now in our 20s. How did it then transform into you going to modeling and Miss Universe Australia and all the incredible <laughs> things you've done that are based on your appearance largely as well? Mm. Um, that is a really good question. So it was a really slow progression. Uh, my confidence took years to come. I, The first time I got asked to model, I was 17 and I got a message on Facebook and I was like, did this go to the right person? Like, what is this? Um, it was from an agency saying, you know, we'd love to meet you. We think you'd be a great model, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Just so confused by it. Modeling had never even been on my radar. Mm. I never thought of myself as being anywhere near enough to be a model, like mm. pretty enough, skinny enough, whatever. Um, that was just not me. I was, you know, head down uh, studying. So I was still in year 12 and I said to them, look, uh, like thank you I'm very flattered but I want to focus on my studies um and yeah sort of ignored it but then she kept pestering me she really wanted me to come in so once I finished year 12 I looked into it a bit more and had a few test photo shoots and all these things but I still you know I wanted to travel and I wanted to do all these things I worked in a summer camp in America so mm. that was like my priority oh my God, amazing well, which was so so awesome eventually like I lost a bit of weight I got really into exercise and um and eating well not to try and lose weight but just to feel good just to be happy and um and healthy and um yeah she said look we uh we think that you could do really well in Japan you've got this look that they would really like over there um but the catch is you've got to be a certain size so she said your hips need to be 90 centimeters so she never said lose this amount of kilos but, but she said there. get your hips to this size god that how old were you um i was 18 my god it's that's a young a lot of pressure. Age. yeah so uh around then there were also so many other things going on in my life my dad also has bipolar which has been very challenging um about every two years ago or so he gets sick um so yeah the stress of that and uh, I lost my cousin when I was 17 he was 18 so it was all around this age there were so many different things going on and also I started then studying and I wanted to do really well at uni being the um I guess perfectionist people pleaser that I was and so putting so much pressure on myself in so many aspects and then but I was like you know how cool to go to Japan. I studied Japanese at school, Mm. loved it. I was so keen. And 
they said, you know, the contracts that you get there, you can get 20 grand in six weeks or something ridiculous. What? And, yeah. You're 18 and all you have to yeah. do is get your waist to certain size. Yeah. And I was like, cool. What's what's a few centimetres mm. or kilos for that oh. amount of money? I could buy a car. I could do all Yeah. That's things. the first thing that came to my mind in your yeah. car. Yeah. yeah. At that age. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I didn't know much about... I didn't do it a smart way. I should have gone to a doctor. A doctor probably would have been like, don't be an idiot. Mm. You're not doing this, to be honest. Actually, maybe that's why I didn't go to a professional because they would have been like, you're an idiot. Don't do it. I think some Um, of the things you do at that age as well are just, you look back on it. Like I had a similar thing when I was that age and it was just looking back on it now. I'm like, holy crap. I can't believe I did that to my body. I know. But you don't think about long-term effects Mm. and you don't think, you just think about the now. And that's what I was that's what I was thinking about. And so I was just running all the time. I was kickboxing like four or five times a week, uh, eating very minimal amounts. So if I could skip a meal, I would. As in, if I didn't have friends around me or family around me seeing what I was eating, then mm. I'd be like, okay, I can get away with not having this one. Mm. Um, because the tricky thing was like, well, when you're trying to lose weight like that, my family absolutely love food and eat, you know, pasta and, and whatever they want all the time. So... I couldn't say to mum, you know, mm. you've got to only cook this for me. I couldn't cook then as well. So um, so it was quite, I guess, restrictive and it was really challenging. And also my family didn't really agree with what I was doing. So I had to sort of do it quite secretly and I think that's what that's then the led problem. to being yeah. such um, – yeah, my eating became so disordered is because it, it was so secretive. Is mm. that how you define it now? Just a period of disordered eating? 100%. I was never diagnosed with something, yeah. I guess um, – I, need, I think I need to stop saying, though, that, you know, because I wasn't diagnosed, mm. I didn't have a problem. I used to say that, but I definitely had a problem. And I think so many girls do. And because they're not diagnosed or, you know, no one's ever told them that it was something. Yeah. Um, they just try to sort of play it down as a period of dieting or something. Mm. But it was, yeah, it was very, I was very unwell. Um, but, yeah, I ended up getting down to the size I needed to be. Uh, which was <laughs> uh, I ended up being 49 kilos holy shit yeah. so that's what they needed yeah they, I'd go in and they were like you look great I was like I look like I'm gonna die what and were I, people around you saying oh what? everyone was so worried Adelaide yeah. as well because I grew up in Adelaide um it's very small mm. and everybody talks and um uh, so everyone was saying to my mom my sister you know oh is Olivia okay and uh, people were really worried, but also gossipy. You know, people love mm. to talk about people's weight. Are they um, really concerned or do they just I want know, to talk that, about yeah, it? Yeah, that was the thing. But I, you know, it made my, my sister particularly so upset and angry with me. My sister's not the best at communicating her feelings, so she'd just sort of lash out and tell me I look disgusting. I'm like, this is not really mm. helpful. Interesting but <laughs> that she found anger in that. I, like, it's an interesting it's emotion the, to find. Like, it's very human, I feel like, when yes. really you're concerned, but you vocalise it but I think as for anger. her, as the older sibling, totally. the protective side of her was, yeah, she was just frustrated. Well, it's She's almost like, like what, what the doing? fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the, that's the emotion so that comes out. Yeah. Feeling about I remember like that. so clearly yeah. we were, it was summer, and she, I asked her to put some sunscreen on my back, and she was touching me like I was a leper. She was like, ugh, you look disgusting. And I was so bony and I had hair growing on my back. Like I was, it was gross. Um, But yeah, the way that she sort of um, went about it was tricky because she was so mad. I'm like, I don't know. But nobody really knows how to go about that. And I mean, she's only a year older than me. So she was 19, I was 18. So Um, So it's like your emotion coming out, I feel like, in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how did you sort of get to a point where you felt relatively comfortable in your body given that experience? How long did it take? Oh, so long after that. So 
what happened then was I got signed to an agency in Sydney mm-hmm. and if you get signed at a certain size, you've got to stay that size because oh my God. that's what you are on the books. So, you know, if your measurements are set, you know, as I think I, my hips were then 88 centimetres or something, um, which is like the size of my leg now. Um, well, it's crazy <laughs> that you even know that. I would not be able to tell you any of my measurements. You say that, that sort of figure and I don't actually know what it looks like. Yeah. Well, that's I didn't know measurements before then either, but at this point in time, I was weighing yeah. myself every day, measuring my hips my waist and my bust every day um always looking in the mirror it was like sort of checking like am I still the the right size like what would they have said if you had have put on weight would they have said anything 100% they just would have been like oh we need to get this back down but the anxiety I had around going back into the agency and making sure I was that size prevented me from ever putting on weight but I yeah so I got signed to an agency in Sydney I moved to Sydney for I think it was about nine months in the end Lived with a beautiful family uh, over there who I didn't know before and just happened to work out really well. If I hadn't been with them, I would have lasted maybe a week because mm-hmm. it's so it's so awful. Mm-hmm. I really hated it. I hated modelling. I hated going to castings. I was going to about four castings a day and you literally just stand there. They look you up and down. They tell you to turn to the side so they can take some photos and then they're like, cool, thanks, see ya. Like, they don't ask you a single question. They don't care if you're, if you're a bitch or if you're smart or if you're mm. funny or they don't care about you. They just want you to look a certain way and then you don't know why you don't get the job when you don't get the job. So you're just waiting all the time to hear back and it's just awful. And it's I was a lot like, of rejection for that yeah. age as well. I'm mm. like, I'm smart. I'm like, I put speech pathology on hold to go and do that. Mm. I'm like, I could be studying. What am I doing? I'm... Anyway, so I came back to Adelaide and I was like, never modelling again. <laughs> like, fuck that. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But then obviously things change. So I think my story is very long-winded and mm. confusing for people because it sort of sounds like I fully went back on what I said and I sort of contradict myself a little bit. But it's the complete opposite because I, I did quit modelling and I put on all this weight and I stopped. I think then I threw out my scales and I haven't weighed myself since. Um and I, yeah, I was like, I'm just going to finish my degree. I'm going to paint and do the things I love and, and not listen to anyone and not have anyone tell me how I need to look. Because, um, you know, they'd told me to dye my hair dark and cut mm. my hair and, and just you're not yourself at all. You're not, you can't be yourself. I mean, there are models that are picked the way that they look and they don't get told to change because, you know, they might naturally be tiny and their look might get them work as they are, but... For me, they were trying to, yeah, chop and change and get me to be something that I wasn't. Well, it's almost an interesting shift in that you don't own your body anymore. It almost, like, your agency owns your body and the clients you work for own your body. So you give up all this control. So it's not surprising that someone would then want to control their body as much as possible and their weight as much as possible. Yeah, I just became this shell of myself and I, yeah, didn't enjoy it. So I then... Didn't model for a while, but I started getting jobs just through social media Mm -hmm. um, because Adelaide is small. Just people saying, oh, you know, my friend wants to use you for this hair modeling expo or whatever it might be. So I was like, cool, I'll do little bits and pieces. If they want me for how I do look now and they don't want me to change, then I'll just do that. Um, So, yeah, I sort of got back into modeling, but just managing myself. So it was nothing like it was before that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and then that, that's just sort of what I thought I'd keep doing. Um, but then I got asked to do Miss Universe. So they came for you. Yeah. So, and that I'm not special for that either. There are so many girls that get scouted this year. I've been scouting girls. Um, I guess I, I sort of get worried when people hear that, that they think that I was sort of 
um, I don't know. I just like, didn't know that was, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there was a girl I used to work with um, at a retail store at Chadston who got scouted while we were working. Yeah. And all the rest of us were like, that's cool. No problem. <laughs> like, anyone want to come after me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was my friend's like, oh, I'm still waiting on that email. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, but yeah, it was an email. So okay, I, interesting. I got it an opening. It gave me anxiety. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> pageant? No, thank you. Um, the thought of needing to get into my bathers and walk in front of people who were judging how I looked Mm. once again, like modeling, uh, terrified me. And also my first thought of a pageant was, you know, toddlers and tiaras and Mm. big fake boobs and all the things that I'm not. Um, so I was like, thank you, but no, thank you. And I declined, but then I spoke to one of the sponsors, uh, who's an Adelaide girl. And she said how the owners of Miss Universe now are really, this, this couple, uh, Troy and Sophia and they're so down to earth they're really genuine and they care so much more about you as a person mm-hmm. um, your intelligence and your personality rather than just how you look and you know they want you to be strong-willed and and have opinions and have something to say and um, so I was like maybe you know I, I thought about it a bit more and then for the bikini side of things I'd finally gotten to a point where I was confident and comfortable in my own skin I was you know, eating well and exercising to feel good, not to lose weight and not, you know, counting calories or mm. measuring myself or any of that. So I just said, I think my fear was ending up how I was before if they were to tell me to mm. change it all. So I said to them, look, I I will do this. Like I'll, you know, do the state final, the first part. Um, but if anybody tells me I need to lose weight, then I'll quit. And yeah, they never did. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> um, it is so much more about body diversity and uh, embracing you for who you are than it used to be and yeah I guess I was my complete self the whole way through so then I've got to um yeah I've never had never felt pressure to be a certain way during the whole Miss Universe process because I was completely myself and yeah mm. so it was really good did you when you were in that year of being Miss Universe what how much can you say about anything really are there constraints or did you feel like I'm happy to play this role for a year and then when it's over, this is a really great pragmatic platform for me to then go on and do whatever I want to do and say whatever I want to say. I don't feel like I was playing a role um, because like I just said, I I was completely myself. I never thought I would win. So Mm. throughout the whole thing, I was like, this is a really cool way to make friends with girls from all over the country. It's a great life experience as well. It's just something cool to be able to say that you did. It was was so much fun. Like once I got through state finals, which I didn't think I would, uh, you go on this Bali trip and you just bond with all the other girls yeah. and have all these workshops and things. Um, basically talking, a lot of it is to do with the question and answer. So you talk mm. about a lot of um, current affairs and, you know, it's quite interesting. And then learning everybody's stories. Like there are girls who are studying medicine and physio and um, psychology and then, you know, speech pathology. <laughs> <laughs> um, all these amazing smart women and it was just so much fun. So I was just... Yeah, definitely not in it to win it. I was just mm. like, this is a cool experience. I'm going to make the most of it. Mm. Just enjoy it. And then when the final came around, the night of, I remember I made top 10 and um, yeah, the first thing I thought was, oh, thank God, my um, my mum spent so much money on tickets. I'm like, oh, oh I don't feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made top five. I was like, even better. Um, but yeah, so then when I won, like the whole time that I was standing there, you know, the top two, it's very dramatic. They get you yeah. holding hands, looking at each other. <laughs> and I was just, it was me and Georgie Mitchell and Georgie is such a beautiful girl. And I was convinced that she had it. And 
So I was like waiting for them to say Georgie Mitchell and then I heard my name and like you can see in the in the footage I'm so shocked. Like I've <laughs> never been so shocked in my life. I turned to one of the judges and said like mouthed what the fuck (laughs) and she's like got her hands at her throat like don't say that (laughs) they didn't put it in the tv show thank god um but yeah I think it showed how genuinely shocked I was that that happened so to answer your question (laughs) I love a long-winded way I yeah I didn't feel like I was playing a role I was just being myself and pinching myself the whole time because I couldn't believe that I'd won it and I just I know so many girls were killed to be in that position so the whole year I was just taking everything as it came and and enjoying the ride. I do have a weird question for you. Yeah. This will seem like it's out of left field, but I literally said I to Zara before this, this interview, I was like, don't let me forget to ask this question. <laughs> I was going to do I want to know, as someone with short hair as well, what was the decision or what was the thought process behind cutting all your hair off after okay. finishing Miss Universe? So it looked like I was sort of revamping myself because it was literally the day after yeah. I handed over the crown, but that wasn't the plan. I was so sick of my hair. I had tape extensions in because my hair was styled so frequently. It was all pretty much dead underneath. Um, and the weight of it, like just drying my hair took 45 minutes. So in January, I said to them, like, I really want to cut my hair off. And they're like, oh, can you just wait till the end? Because I think like for the year that you're Miss Universe, it's nice to sort of be, you know, as you were when you want it. Yeah, that makes sense. And a lot of people were anti that. Um, but I'm like, I don't care. That's, I guess, that sort of world. And they haven't actually put too much emphasis on how I looked, funnily enough. Mm. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to keep my hair long. And then I'll just cut it off. And oh my God, best thing ever. I love having short hair. Highly recommend I it I need to, to go shorter. It's if you're so listening good. and tossing up the decision, do it. 100%. Best thing ever. Do it. Mm. The amount of photos I get tagged in being like, I cut my hair because you did. I'm like, that's <laughs> the best. I love it so much. It also makes you feel so much edgier or like, yeah. I don't know, it's just easier, quicker. Although I do sometimes waking up looking like a boy. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I've just gotten used to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I definitely prefer having short hair. Mm. What is the plan or what was the plan when the Miss Universe year finished? What did you think about straight away? Did you think about going back to work? Did you think I'm going to ride this wave for as long as I can? Yeah, just sort of riding the wave. Yeah. I've been winging my life now for the past like year and a half. So uh, just to keep winging it. My dad constantly checks in. He's like, so what now? I'm like, winging it. And he's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but because I, do, I don't feel stressed about it because I do have a pretty solid fallback plan, which is mm. speech pathology. I do really miss painting. Um, when I was studying, that was my income, um, painting and selling commissions. And uh, I did a few exhibitions and I painted a few murals and I got to do some amazing things with that. So I definitely miss that and I'd like to do more of it. I'm working on a kid's book. Um, Wait, what? Stop. Yeah. A kid's book? <laughs> yeah, with a friend of mine. She she wrote it. She's a teacher and I'm illustrating it. Amazing. Oh, my God. But it's been in the works for so long now because, you know, Miss Universe happened and mm. uh, sort of got put on the back burner. But we're hoping to get it out, I want to say, in the next few months, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, but it is for kids with anxiety, so I think it'll be really good once it, once it gets out. <laughs> you have been very vocal about your own struggles with mental health or mental illness mm-hmm. and anxiety. Why is that? I think for me... And you would know when you are at your worst, it is so um, isolating. Mm. And I felt so alone. And I think if I had had someone, I guess, in the public eye to to say that they were going through it, you know, I think someone, because so many young girls say to me, oh, your life looks so great and so shiny. <laughs> um, it's not all like that. And it hasn't always been like this either. Like my life is very different now to what it was. 
Um, I think just to shed a light on mental health and to show that it doesn't discriminate and anybody can can go through mental illness problems and um, yeah, I think because it's not embarrassing. I'm actually I, I'm so unashamed of everything I've been through and I think people need to be less ashamed because it's not embarrassing and it's so ridiculously common um but yeah I think yeah that's I guess the main reason just to stop the stigma what's the response like from your followers when you do share that experience it's usually amazing it's actually quite overwhelming Mm. sometimes I feel this um I guess responsibility uh, putting it out there means that a lot of people will then try and talk to me about it, which is awesome because then they're opening up, but then it's tricky because I'm not a psychologist. Mm. Uh, I don't have all the answers. I've only got my experience to draw on. Um, so then it's tricky because yeah, I, you know, you want to help everyone and I want to reply to all these lovely messages, but I can't because I sort of open the floodgates then and then they just keep coming in. I'm like, there's only so much I can Mm. do. So that's the only tricky thing about it, but otherwise it's nothing but positive. And I, yeah. You want to position yourself as an ally but not an expert, mm. I feel like. Yeah. It's a tricky line to walk. I think I always have to be pretty careful to say, you know, this is just my story and this is what I know mm. from my story mm. um, or from people that I know that have had mental health problems. But, um, but yeah, because as soon as you start sort of generalising, then you sound like you know everything or you're trying to sound like you know mm. everything and I definitely don't. And everybody's experience is so different as well. Um, I've only had like a couple of people sort of try to shut me down about it. Um, one, actually, I, this is what I was telling you about before. I've, I've got this message that I want to read. Oh, so please, please do read do. it out. Also, is that your dog on the back of your phone case? Yes. <laughs> is this from Mimco? I was I was with someone who got sent a PR delivery with that phone case. We will put a photo of that in it. I was going to say, there's <laughs> nothing more annoying than when people talk about something you can't see. But We're I'll, give, the, do it. I'll give an illustration. Funny. It's basically Olivia's dog, Ziggy, which is what type of dog is Ziggy? He's a chow chow. He's a chow chow. A little it's lion. It's a painting of Ziggy on the back of her beautiful phone case. And he is a lion. We actually need to get him on the insta story more than oh, anyone true. else let's get Ziggy yeah. in our photo too I know. You know he's what? the real he's, star he is the real star Sorry. everywhere i go if i rock up without him people are like um why is it just you he's, about, <laughs> he's like 95 percent fluff five percent yeah, dog so you got this message i got this message um and i was actually sitting on my toilet reading it as you do yeah, um and and i called out to justin like oh my god i got the meanest message i've ever received and he was like oh my god read it to me and i was like no i need to process it i need yeah. to read it again um but it yeah i'll read it to you and you can let me know what you think olivia no one actually cares about you anymore you come across as wooden and fake you came from a rich family and a private school in Adelaide. Stop trying to spruik anxiety and depression. You actually have no fucking idea how hard other people have lived and what they have experienced. Have you experienced sexual and physical abuse? Have you witnessed drug overdoses within your family? I bet you didn't, so shut the fuck up and be grateful for what you have actually experienced in your life. No one is buying your anxiety bullshit, you prissy little Seymour bitch. Get the actual fuck over yourself. Also, you were never going to win Miss Universe. You're too fat with no tits. <gasps> Did somebody put their name to this? No. Of course. It was, it was 100% a troll account. Like no followers, only following people, no photos. Um, so, and I've actually watched a documentary. I'll have to find the name of it mm. so you guys can put it in your notes as well. It's really good. It's um, just about trolls. Mm. And they interviewed this guy who is a self-proclaimed troll. Um, you know, didn't have his face showing or anything, of course. Uh, but he said, I literally do it for the reaction. So I'll go through an Instagram account or whatever account it may be. 
and say someone has a bit of a wonky nose and he's like, I bet they hate their nose. Mm. So he'll comment being like, your nose is so ugly. It's the worst nose I've ever seen. You should get it operated on or like hide your face, like awful, awful things um, because he knows that it will really hit a nerve. Um, how, how did you feel reading that? Just shocked. Yeah. Um, I think if I had been in my low point, if I had been really anxious and depressed and got that, I would have been beside myself. But it honestly didn't upset me. It just scared me to think of the people that they're probably sending those messages mm. to. I think they're, you know, they'd be sending out multiple ones. It's not just me. Um, and the effect that they can have on someone. Because I did have friends that said, you know, oh my God, I would have cried myself to sleep. And mm. people that would be so affected by that sort of thing. I think I've gotten to a point where I'm so comfortable within myself and I know myself and I only really listen to the people that matter to me when it comes to that sort of thing. So it didn't bother me. But um, but yeah, I had to respond because I just want to tell them that they can't be – you can't go around and speak like that and not have any consequences. Not at all. And I think when we live so much of our lives on social media, there is this idea that everything you, adore, you do online has no consequences at all, 100%. which is terrifying. Yeah, it's so bad. It's also the attitude – like I know there was so many – probably more offensive things in that but even the attitude that you can't have mental illness mm. problems unless oh, yeah. you've had the worst life ever and seen no but that craziest. was yeah that was the biggest thing for me that was the, that was way more offensive than what they were saying about how I look because I think well in my response to them I said you know I'm never trying to say feel sorry for me because I went through this or anything like that and I don't blame any particular person or any one experience in my life for you know going through anxiety and depression i think the ma- the message that i'm trying to spread is that it doesn't uh, it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what your background yeah. is or you know who your family is or but you know in saying that they don't even know the half of what happened in my life but yeah. but yeah i think trying to show that it it doesn't discriminate and it happens to every well anyway it can happen to anyone and everyone um so that was what was sort of i wanted to set right i suppose we usually end these things in a similar way, which is two things are after. The first thing I want to know and I, that I'm most intrigued by, by the people that I follow on social media is what do you think the difference is between the person that you are on social media and the person that, that you are at home? What do you think people don't see? It's a really good question because I feel like I share a lot mm. of my life. Uh, I feel like I'm very open. If people ever ask questions, I'm happy to answer them. I don't think I have anything to hide. Mm. I think maybe um, they don't see how dorky I can be, maybe. <laughs> I think I, because my one of my friends recently said, she's like, I want to make a page that's like the real Olivia Rogers. And I'll send her like <laughs> ugly Snapchats with like yeah. seven chins and that sort of thing. Um, maybe more of that. But otherwise I feel like I'm very open and I don't know. I don't, I don't find people saying that they're shocked by anything when they meet yeah. me because I think they think that I'm the same as I am. I think that's really nice. Well, I hope so. I, I hope that that's how it is because I would hate to come across as wooden and fake <laughs> oh, <laughs> to so quote true. the message. <laughs> yeah. I think the second question you were going to ask, if I'm correct, if we're reading each other's mind, is uh, who's a woman that you look up to in correct. the public eye? Oh, one that you guys love and I know from your podcast. Well, I'm um, gonna, I feel like I have a person in my head. Here we go. This is not just a podcast of us reading each other's minds and what we say. <laughs> Telepathy, whatever it's called. That's what we'll call this episode. Uh, Zoe Foster Blake. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love her. I love that she is so unapolo- unapologetically herself. Mm. Uh, she's funny. She's smart. She's sexy. She's, you know, she's an amazing businesswoman, but she's also got this amazing family life. And I just think that she's, you know, something that we can all aspire to be mm. as an amazing Australian woman. 
Um, but I have a lot of women that I don't necessarily see them as role models as such, but just appreciate. Like, mm. I think there are so many awesome Australian women just, you know, being open and being themselves and doing amazing things. So there's a lot of them. But she definitely stands out to me. Yeah, same here. Olivia, you have been so fantastic. Thank you for joining us. We've loved having you. (laughs) Anytime. Thank you so much for listening to this very special In Conversation episode of Shameless with Olivia Rogers. We will be back in your ears next Monday for our regular programming. But in the meantime, keep an eye on your feet every Thursday, every few Thursdays or so, I should say. We will be trying to drop a few interview or In Conversation episodes for you. Uh, but until then, you know where to find us. We are in Shameless Podcast Community, our Facebook group. We are on Instagram, Shameless Podcast. Or if you want to be extra kind, you are more than welcome to drop us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much, guys, and we'll be back, as I said, next Monday. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish, Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.